Well, welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. Can we welcome our Appleton campus as well? Milwaukee campus, Germantown campus online. It's great to have you here with us today. And uh, we've got a special, special, special guest, which is me. I know that's why you all came to see. Yeah, thank you for the love. I appreciate that. So uh, George, George Kuntz is going to be out in just a minute. He was born in New Bern, North Carolina. So we had to get a Southerner here. Just don't hate me. This is great. He played for the Green Bay Packers from 1992 to 99, an eight-year starter at linebacker, uh, part of the Super Bowl 31 winning team, racking up 69 tackles, three interceptions, one fumble recovery, and a TD that season. He entered his career with 652 tackles. He told me if somebody got out of line tonight, it would be 653. <laughs> so we're watching. Uh, nine sacks, seven fumble recoveries, five interceptions, two touchdowns. Would you give an incredible life church welcome to Green Bay Packer great George Koontz? Thank you. It's good to have you here. It's great to be here. Man, I, I don't know. I, you, your, your size is a bit intimidating to me, if I can just say that. Like, if you're a linebacker run, running at me, I think I'm probably in the fetal position. Just, I'm not even going to try to get away. But I'm a pushover, Pastor. I'm, uh, I'm not that. I may be big, but I'm very soft. So. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> believe that. It is great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming, being here at Life Church this weekend, being a part of what's going on. And, um, and so talk to us a little bit about the NFL, kind of your journey, uh, man, just kind of from North Carolina all the way to Green Bay. Just tell us a little bit right. about that. Well, I grew up in uh, eastern North Carolina, about 35 miles from the ocean. I grew up in a single-parent household. I was first in my family to go to college. Uh, I really grew up in a very socially, economically deprived area uh, in North Carolina. And I just had a dream of playing uh, football for a living. And my mom... I told my mom of my dream, and she said, well, George, you have to get an education to be able to uh, go to the, the National Football League. So I kind of buckled down and started studying, and, uh, but athletics came more naturally to me than my, uh, my books. Uh, I flunked the sixth grade, oh, wow. and, um, and, and I, think about, I, I think back at that, at that point in time in my life, uh, uh, and I look over uh, over 100 years of uh, Packer football, there's been over 10,000 players to play in one game, only two to go on and receive a PhD, and one of them is sitting uh, and standing and, and speaking to you tonight. So I just want to let, let everyone know. Yeah. Um, uh, but God's grace and a lot of prayers from my, my, my family it enabled me to, to go on and receive an education to be able to take care of my family because football is great. The average football player plays three and a half years. Uh, so you need something to fall back on. And my mom instilled in me that education was very, very important. So we need to call you Dr. Coons from the no, end of the evening. No, Pastor. Just call me George. <laughs> All right, so talk to me. So you, you uh, played for the Packers, 96-97 season. You guys were the Super Bowl champions. What was that like? That was un unbelievable. Uh, like I said uh, earlier, I grew up in North Carolina. That's basketball country. Uh, but I really love football. 
And I just had dreams of playing football and having a dream of uh, winning the Super Bowl. And all that happened here in Green Bay, uh, happened here in Wisconsin. I, I came to Wisconsin when I was 23 years old. I've been in Wisconsin for the last 27 years, and a lot of great things have happened uh, to me here in Wisconsin. So playing there, who is the best player that you played against? The best player that I played against was a guy that, that, that played for the Detroit Lions. His name was Barry Sanders. He was a running back. Um, he, was, <clears throat> he was unbelievable um, uh, football player, but, he, but the thing that I liked about him the, uh, the most was his humility. He was very, very humble, and uh, uh, he was able to, a lot of guys couldn't catch him or, uh, or tackle him, but his humility was just phenomenal. Wow, wow. I want to take a minute, and if you have a question, uh, we're going to do something kind of fun today. It's going to be, there's going to be a, a number on the screen that you can text a question. If you'd like to text a question for George, it'll go there, then it'll come to, come to us here. And uh, so if you, if you have a question you'd like to ask, then just go right there on the screens. We're kind of talking about some football and some Packer history and kind of go from there. So, George, tell me, you're playing for the Packers, uh, some of your favorite teammates uh, at, with the Packers and... and uh, who were some of the favorite guys that you played with? Well, uh, Gilbert Brown. Our locker was next to each other for seven of my eight years. Uh, Gilbert Brown got to the Packers in 93. I got there in 92. Uh, so Gilbert Brown was an unbelievable teammate. Uh, Leroy Butler was an unbelievable uh, teammate. Uh, Brett Favre, we got along really, really well because uh, Brett and I played against each other when we were in college. Brett went to Southern Mississippi. I went to East Carolina University. Sure. So I used to play Brett uh, when, we were, when we were in college as well. So I knew him from that. Did you ever sack him when he was in college? I did sack him when oh, I was in yeah. college. Yeah. 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 Did he remember was, that when he saw you? No, he had amnesia. He had yeah. selective amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you would have played with the likes of like Reggie White. What was that like? Well. That was unbelievable. I, I met Reggie White April 6, 1993. Uh, I was able to play with Reggie White for, for six years. I, I had a great conversation with, with Reggie's widow uh, last week, uh, and I'd like to share that with you, that conversation. In 2012, I went to Israel with the organization, and I, I had a conversation with, uh, with Sarah White uh, about the prospects of us going back over to Israel, a group of about 25 individuals, to plant a tree in honor of Reggie White, his, his life, his leadership, and his legacy. Because the planting of a tree in the Jewish tradition is very, very significant, like the, the birth of a, a, a new one, a newborn, right. A, right. Uh, the, the death of a, uh, of a loved one, uh, a marriage. Uh, so about 40 years ago, uh, organization planted a tree in honor of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, and now there's a farce. So I'm hoping to go to Israel with Sarah White and a group of uh, uh, players and their significant others, Brett Favre, Leroy Butler, um, Tony Dungy, uh, March 17th through the 24th of 2020 to plant a tree in honor of Reggie White, uh, just to, to let him know and let the world know the significance he made not only uh, with the Green Bay Packers and uh, across Wisconsin, but throughout the world. He was a phenomenal individual. Right. Yeah. And why, why, why Israel? Well, because Israel is, I think, it, it, it is where it all began. And uh, because my faith, everything starts 
and ends with um, my love for our, our uh, Jesus Christ, our uh, you know Savior. Right, right. And um, and Reggie White, when I when I met him in April of uh, uh, 1993, he helped me to renew my relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. So I owe everything to to Reggie. Wow. Okay. Before before we kind of change uh, subjects here a little bit, uh, got a got a question that was texted in. How tough was Coach Mike Holmgren? How, how tough was he as a coach? Coach Holmgren was very very uh, tough. But the one thing that I can say about Coach Holmgren, even though he was tough, he was fair. He was given our opportunity, and and that's the one thing that that that's the only thing that matters to me. Right. Uh, just being fair and giving me an opportunity. And Coach Holmgren did that throughout his seven years uh, walking up and down the sidelines in Green Bay. Wow. All right, so what have you been doing post-NFL with your career? I was very fortunate to play nine years total in the NFL, eight years in Green Bay, one year out in Seattle. Then I went back to North Carolina. Uh, uh, took about a couple years to try to find myself because a lot of players, uh, after they lose their identity playing sports, uh, they're kind of lost. <laughs> Um, there's uh, all types of statistics out there that 75% of the players, when they, uh, 24 months upon leaving the NFL, they're broke, unemployed, or, um, you know, both. Right. So I struggled uh, with depression because I didn't feel like there was anything else outside of football. So I, I, I leaned on uh, my core values, and that was uh, the three Fs, faith, family, and friends. So I went back to school. Uh, I was in a, a, a college classroom at 33 years old trying to get my master's, and, 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 and things started taking off for me from there. And then you wrote a book, Is There Life After uh, uh, Football, Surviving the NFL? Uh, and uh, we actually have, uh, George has been so kind that we've got these for sale. Uh, for you if you want to pick one of these up afterwards uh, here and uh, and you autographed them and all of that. Talk to me a little bit about the book that kind of unpacks some of this and even some of the issues that, that players find themselves uh, post-NFL, financial, depression, so forth and so on. Right, <clears throat> because I played sport from nine years old. My mom got me involved in, in football and I was very, very fortunate and blessed to play until I was 32 years old. Uh, but when I left the, the, the sport, I kind of felt lost. And um, I was able to find myself, like I said earlier. Right. And uh, so when I got into grad school at Marquette University, uh, 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 they said, George, you have to come up with a, a topic, an idea, a dissertation. So I wrote my, uh, my dissertation on the struggles and the challenges uh, that players may go through upon leaving the National Football League. So I interviewed over 1,000 former players about their challenges. And um, so I wrote about it. Try to, I, I want to try to give back, uh, especially to the uh, Wisconsin and the Green Bay and the, the greater Milwaukee area because uh, the, the, the folks in Wisconsin did so much for me. Right. For a kid coming from Eastern North Carolina, poverty, to have a chance to, to play on the largest, one of the largest stages in the world and yeah. uh, playing for the Green Bay Packers and, and having a chance to win a, a Super Bowl, I thought, maybe writing a book and, and sharing that information. So, so people that's coming behind me, that's maybe in, in junior high or high school or in college, they won't have the same uh, problems or challenges that I had. Wow, that's awesome. 
Well, thank you, Ben, for, for sharing that and, 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 uh, and for putting that in written form. Because sometimes you hear people talk, but when you read it, it kind of crystallizes the ideas and gets you to really be able to kind of uh, reflect on that. Let's go back to what you said about Reggie White. Talk to me about the interaction with him that really sparked your faith and brought all of that full circle in your life. Great question. Well, growing up in Eastern North Carolina, my family was into, was into the church. Uh, so I kinda, it kind of happened by osmosis, right? I, I went to church, I, I fell in love with Jesus. And then as time went on, I went to high school, went to college. Sometimes you kind of step away. Uh, and I think that happened to me. But when I met Reggie White, he kind of brought it all back uh, full circle. And, um, and now, ever since that, that time in, in April in, in 93, I felt like my life has truly changed because uh, uh, Jesus Christ is the light and my direction. So I'm so thankful uh, for Reggie. That's why I'm so uh, adamant and so passionate about going to Israel, trying to do something to, to, to keep his flame and his life alive. So talk, do, you, do you mind explain a little bit more about your conversation? Because I think sometimes people, uh, they have this relationship with Christ, and, uh, and they're trying to live that out. Uh, and, uh, and that's a private, personal thing. Right. You know, people are just, you know, uh, pre, and especially in Wisconsin, we're, we're kind of a private people. We don't talk a lot about our politics, a lot about our religion. It's just, this is kind of what we do. Um, how, how did that, how did that conversation go? How, and then, and, and I get you respected him as a Christ follower and, and as a player, but how did that, how did, how did that go? How did Reggie White get you to come back full circle and just back to some values that probably you were raised with and around and like, Hey, George, and really dive into this and really just surrender to all of this. Well, <laughs> I'm just digging a little deep here. Well, it, it was very, very simple how it happened with me and Reggie White. One day in the locker room, it was just him and I, and I said, I said, Reggie, you the man, right? Right. And he said, no. That's what I would say to him, right. yeah, yeah. I said, no you the man. And he said, no, Coot, I just know the man. And I, I, said, I said, excuse me? He said, no, Coons, I'm not the man. I just know the man. And from that statement, I started asking more questions. What, what do you mean? And then he said, well, George, you know, it, I owe everything. What you see uh, from a, a materialistic standpoint, uh, the joy that you see, the way I come into the locker room, the happiness that you see on my face, that's because of my relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I said, okay, he said, I wanna help you, I wanna help you to strengthen your relationship with Jesus, Coons. He said, are you open to that? And I said, most definitely. You lead, I'm gonna follow you. And that's when we started uh, uh, reading and praying daily. It was simple as me saying, Reggie, you're the man. And he came back with, I just know the man. Wow. And, wow. and I just want to tell everyone in here that um, if you do have a relationship, and I hope, I hope that you do, you can strengthen that relationship by speaking, praying, 
and relating to him daily. Wow, that's awesome. So the question came, came right here. Throughout your career, professional, college, whatever, uh, have you ever taken a teammate under your own wing, perhaps having difficulties in life, some way Reggie did with you, and did that help them to strengthen their personal connection with the Lord? And if so, you don't have to say who it was, but how did that, how did that work for you? Well, um, a year ago, when I came back, let me back up a little bit. Uh, when I came back to the PAC organization, I, and I worked in their front office in 2006, uh, one of my, 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 my first responsibilities from Coach uh, McCarthy and Ted Thompson was to go to the airport and pick up Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson was a free agent. And they said, George, we want you to go pick him up from the airport. Uh, his first meeting is at noon, and um, his, air, his plane get, gets in at 9 o'clock a.m. Uh, I want you to kind of fill him out and see if he's a, a fit for the PACO organization. So I did what I was supposed to do. I went and picked up Charles Woodson, and we drove around uh, Green Bay. I took him to Appleton, took him to uh, Milwaukee, and brought him back. Uh, he had a uh, to the to the stadium. Right. He had an outstanding visit with uh, Ted Thompson and, and Coach McCartney. He flew out that night. Uh, that was in 2007. Now let's fast forward 2016. Charles Woodson got uh, got inducted uh, to the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, Brian Lammy, uh, Mr. Lammy, he made, he's a uh, uh, he's a member of uh, Life Church. Right. Uh, uh, he was he's responsible for that organization. And I received a phone call. I said, "This is Charles." Charles said, "Hey George, uh, I just wanted to let you know that I, I I'm going I'm gonna get inducted to the uh, the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame." I said, "Congratulations." He said, "But there's one thing, I need someone to introduce me, and I'd like for you to introduce me." I said, Charles, you, you won the Heisman, you won the Super Bowl, you met people all over this world. Why me? He said, because of uh, the tremendous effort you did to make me feel comfortable when I got to Green Bay and how you helped me to assimilate into the organization and to the state of Wisconsin. That's why I can't find a better person to uh, introduce me than you. So. That goes back to how Reggie White treated me back in 1993. So I just wanted to pay it forward when I met Charles Woodson. Wow, that's awesome. Yep. So talk about navigating the NFL as a Christ follower. Is that easy to do? I mean, I'm sure everybody's a Christian in, at Green Bay, right? And the Packers. <laughs> NFL, right? Yeah, all of that. How difficult? How do you stay disciplined in your walk with Christ? How do you, how do, you do that as, a, as an NFL player? I was very fortunate. When I got there in 92, uh, there wasn't a, a, a huge presence in the locker room when it, when it came to uh, your walk with Christ. But when Reggie White came into the organization, it made it even easier. Uh, we had a, a, a guy that was uh, already in the organization uh, when, when Reggie got there and also before I got there. It was a guy by the name of uh, Ken Rutgers. He is a, a, a huge follower and believer. And uh, he, he constantly had uh, Bible study and, 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 and moments of silence in the locker room to pray and to meditate on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. 
So uh, what, about, what about after the NFL, you know, following Christ uh, now is, uh, I mean, you're, uh, you're working uh, at a university. You are, um, I mean, you've, you're accomplished, uh, you know, with an earned doctorate. Uh, and then, I mean, you've, you know, you've accomplished all this so much. I mean, like, almost like two professional lives, you know, in sports and then now in academics. Uh, how do you find it to, to keep your walk with Christ? And, uh, you know, I got to meet your family uh, this, this evening and your, and your wife and your son, George. And just how do, you, how, how do you live this out? How do you live your faith out? Well, um, just like anything, whether you want to be a, a football player, a basketball player, a doctor, a judge, a pastor, it takes discipline and it takes repetition. It, it takes reps. Uh, I had a chance to go to Cincinnati uh, two weeks ago on a Saturday. I flew out of Milwaukee at 7 a.m., got back at midnight uh, that same night. I went to uh, uh, the Hebrew uh, Union College over in Cincinnati to speak to a group of students, and they asked me the same question. I said that whenever you may fall out of discipline, just remember your core values. And like I said earlier, mine are the, the three Fs, faith, family, and my friends. So whenever I'm struggling with things, because we are human, things are gonna happen, uh, those are the three things that I lean on. Good. And faith is number one. Wow. So I, I want to end with that before I kind of wrap things up. There was a question that came in, uh, a trial that you've had in your life and how you saw the Lord in the midst of the storm to help pull you through. Uh, that may be a bit personal, so you can, you can answer that how you'd like to. But somebody texted a question, what's a, uh, a trial that you've gone through in your life and how did you see the Lord in the midst of that storm help pull you through because th through your faith? Mm. Well, my, my, uh, um, you mentioned earlier about my, my son, George. Uh, um, he's here. Can you stand, George? Come on. He's 12. Yep. There George is. is 12 years old. Thank you, George. Um, George is uh, 12 years old. He, he lives in Fond du Lac with my wife, um, Gina. Uh, I call her Red. Uh, she's originally from, from Milwaukee. We live up in Fond du Lac. Uh, he goes to Woodworth uh, uh, School. Um, He's healthy, he's, he's, he's bright, he's brilliant. But um, when George's mom was six months pregnant, uh, she, went to, she went to the doctor and we had bets. Uh, we, we, we was betting how, how many uh, pounds she gained and uh, we wanted to know um, how many pounds the baby gained as well. And I told her to call me as soon as she, le uh, she left the, uh, the doctor's office. So uh, the phone rang and it was her and she was crying. And um, I asked her what was going on. And she said, George, I, I've just been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And we have to die, we have to uh, um, induce. Mm. Uh, George came eight weeks early his mom started chemo two days later, and she fought that deadly disease for three and a half years. And, uh, and she passed away October 7th, 2009. Uh, George was three years old. And um, that was a very, very difficult and tough uh, period in my life and, and my family. Mm. Uh, so 
that was a time I leaned on the three F's. Wow. My faith, my family, and my friends to help me through. So um, I stayed close to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I prayed that I would be able to get through it. And um, five years after um, George's mom passed away, uh, a young lady came into my life, um, and um, I was able to get married again. I thought that would never happen, and um, I'm so blessed to have Gina by my side to help me to get through it. Uh, my dad passed away when I was, I'm junior. My dad passed away when he was 55 years old. Um, he passed away two weeks before Thanksgiving. Uh, when I was in my fifth year in the National Football League, I just bought my mom and dad a house. And my dad passed away. So um, like when I make, when I sign a, a book or anything, I put my name, but I always say fall forward because things are going to happen in life. Um, it's, it's all well and good to, to, re, to receive a Super Bowl ring or the Super Bowl trophy, um, but things are going to, there's going to be some difficult times. And I've had some great people to help me uh, through those very dark times and, and lonely times. So I just want to let everybody know that life is wonderful, life is great. But there's going to be some times where you're going to struggle. But just lean on your faith and your family and your friends, and, and you will get through it. And I just want to thank a, lot of, thank a lot of people in this room for praying for me and my family. Hmm. It was very, very difficult at that time. And I miss my father. I miss George's mom. But I'm so blessed to have a wife like Gina hmm. who's sticking behind me and, and working with me and pushing me to to be the best, pushing me to help our community. Uh, because since I've come back to Wisconsin, I've helped to raise over $75 million to help students to go to college that's from low-income families and, and from single-parent awesome. households. Awesome. Yeah, very good. So I just want to thank you. I get emotional when you talk about those types of things. It's, it's easy to talk about other things, but it's very, very difficult and hard for me to talk about myself. So I just want to thank Brian Lammy. Yeah. I want to thank Pastor Ryan. I want to thank Pastor Aaron for, for having me to come tonight to share my story and, yeah. and talk about what um, Jesus Christ have done for me and my family. I come from a very tough place. But my mom told me when I was a little kid, she said, just because this is your situation, it doesn't always have to be this way. Lean on your faith and education, and you're going to get a chance to live out your Ameri the American dream, how you define it. You say you want to play sports. You want to play on, on Monday nights. George, I don't know if that's possible, but if you keep your faith and you go to school and try to get the best grades you can, God would open up the doors and the windows for you to achieve whatever you may dream. Wow. Yeah. You know, one of the things that struck me by what you were saying is, is a lot of times what we see watching Monday night, 
uh, or Thursday night or Sunday afternoon or Sunday night is we get to see all the glitz and the glamour. But all those players on that field are people that are dealing with real lives and real realities, just like we all are. You know, it's, we all kind of put our, our, our pants on one leg at a time, right? And so when you hear someone that you go, wow, what a life and, and Super Bowl winner and, and, and all of these accomplishments, but there's, we all go through pain. We all go through struggle. Uh, we're, we're all going to face the enemy from time to time. And, and in those moments where God shows up, um, as you're talking and you're ta- telling your story, it's, uh, it's interesting to me how uh, it's in those moments that I can identify with you. Because I'm not identifying with you as an NFL player or some a celebrity that I see on television, but rather just as a person, just as a man. And it kind of reminds me how the Lord does with us. You know, that's how Christ identifies with us. That's how we identify with him through the gospel of Jesus, you know, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But we see this life of Christ and he identifies with us, not in our strength, but in our failure. Not in our best days, but in our weaknesses. And that's when he shows himself to, to be, um, man, to be all that he can be in our lives. And, and thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's deeply personal um, and for entrusting that, that to us. And because there's people in this room that are, that are dealing with all types of issues and situations. And uh, before we close everything out, I, I, what Maybe there are people even here that are saying, you know, man, I'm, I'm far away from God. Or kind of maybe where you are, where you interacted with Reggie White in the locker room. And they're, they're trying to figure out, maybe they're facing a valley. Maybe they're in a situation. Maybe, maybe they're on the cusp of, of living their dream, but there's just an emptiness. or There's, a, there's just a void that, that only God can fill. Only Jesus can fill. He, only he can step in. What would you say to that person, that individual that's wrestling with that? If you were just having a one-on-one conversation about your faith in Christ, about them taking that next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, what does that, what does that sound like? What do you say? Well, uh, I would say, Pastor Aaron, <clears throat> that if you're considering that, what are you waiting for? Because, because Jesus Christ has already made the ultimate sacrifice for us. So why don't you go ahead and, 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 and you make that step towards him? Because I've seen it in my personal life. I, I, I told you about George's mom. I told you about my father. Um, I, I got cut from the National Football League uh, at 32. But I didn't tell you that I got cut when I was 23 and I thought my career was over with. But I was given another opportunity. Another story about Reggie White, and, um, and was, what was really impressive about Reggie White and why I fell in love with my wife, Gina, is because we talk about leadership styles. You could be a, um, a transformational leader. You talk about being a, a servant leader, right? A vanguard type leader. Right. But Reggie White and my wife, Gina, they know how to lead you through the middle. And you're probably saying, George, I never heard that type of leadership before, leading someone through the middle. So basically what leading you through the middle means is it's easy to lead when you just received a, a promotion at work or you just received a, a, a signing bonus or you just received the, the Super Bowl trophy. 
but like Reggie White said, when he called me and said that we, our quarterback um, just had surgery and, and they had to bring him back because he had surgery, he had a seizure while he was having surgery. So what we have to do, we have to put our arms around him because he had medication in his system. He had opioids in his system that reacted very violently while he was having surgery. So Reggie White said, let's put our arms around our quarterback and help him through this very difficult time. And that quarterback went on to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time. That's what leading through the middle is all about. Because you may have a, a neighbor, you may have a coworker, you may have a brother or a sister that may be going through something that you need to help lead them through the middle. And my wife is excellent at that. And Reggie White was superb. So I just want to say to everyone here tonight, all of you have those skills. So now let's just go out and make it happen and make a difference. Because if a little kid from Eastern North Carolina, whose mom was making $9,700 when he graduated, she had four kids who were making $9,700 when he graduated from, from high school. If that kid can do it, I didn't have any influence. I didn't have any inheritance. My mom didn't have a, a, a 401k. My mom didn't have a, an annuity. She was just making $9,700. But she said, George, keep your faith. Keep reading. Keep trying to learn. And you will have a chance to make a difference. So I just want to let you know the blessings and the opportunities is upon you. Now it's all about you making it happen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen. God bless you. We're going to pray for people. So what I want to do is uh, before, before, uh, before uh, we say goodbye to George, I, I want to give you an opportunity to, um, to just... If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, we're nothing, it's not going to be anything weird. We're not going to ask you to stand and come to the front or, or any of that nature. But I want to give a chance to pray with you. I'm going to have George pray with me. And we're going to pray that uh, if you want to give your life to Christ, this is an opportunity to do that. Because we all have those moments where it's like, it's like George was talking about the leading in the middle, where we're in the middle of something. We're in the middle of life. We're in the middle of a situation or a circumstance. Maybe that's where you're at today and you're far away from God and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. I just want to give you that opportunity. Just very simple. And uh, so what I'm going to do is if you just bow your head and close your eyes, just everyone in this room, just out of respect, just, just quiet yourself in just a minute, just for this moment. And uh, if you're here today and you're far away from the Lord, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. Praying the prayer doesn't save you. But what you pray and what you believe in your heart, that's what does. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. It's not about being a member of a church. It's not about doing anything. Jesus paid the price. But um, it's accepting that free gift and ask him to come into your heart and into your life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And if you will pray this prayer with me, 
and you believe what you're about to pray, what's going to happen is he's gonna, Jesus is going to come into your heart and into your life. And I'm going to ask George if he would just, uh, I'm going to pray, and George, I'm going to ask if you would just repeat after me and so they can follow your lead. Is that all right? Yes, sir. And, uh, and we're going to do this together. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, even if you're watching online, you're at the Appleton campus, Milwaukee campus, Germantown campus, it doesn't matter. You're here and you want to give your life to Christ. I'm going to ask you just to pray this prayer with me. And I'm going to ask those of you that have prayed this prayer before to lend your voice with those people that may be praying this prayer for the very first time. Would you pray this? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, I ask you, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my heart, to come into my life, to come into my life, and be my Lord, be my Lord, and my Savior, and my Savior today. Today, I believe, I believe that you, Jesus, that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, is the Son of God, born of a virgin, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, lived a sinless life. Died on the cross. Died on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. And rose from the grave. And rose from the grave. Just like the Bible says. Just like the Bible said. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. In need of a savior. In need of a savior. And I believe. I believe. That you, Jesus. That you, Jesus. Are my salvation. Are my salvation. Thank you. Thank you. For taking my sins away. Taking my sins away. And giving me new life. Giving me new life. In you. In you. Today. Today. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Father, I pray with every head bowed and every eye closed that the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, Lord, as it just fills their heart, that joy fills their heart. God, that hope fills their life right now, that, that, that the peace of God that passes understanding that Paul talks about in the book of Galatians, Lord, would just umpire and rule their heart. Holy Spirit, seal this work of salvation as John Gospel says that you will. And I just pray, God, for hope and for life and for fullness. In Jesus' name, I thank you for this. Amen. 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 We give praise for people that made the decision to follow Christ today. George, thank you for being with us. Go ahead. The pleasure was all mine. Well, we have really enjoyed this conversation. Would you guys give George Kuntz another great life church? Thank you. Thanks, man. Love you. I'll take the mic.